0: Welcome back to the Effort Over Everything podcast. On today's episode, Gabe and I, we dive into the CrossFit Games Open and we talk the business side of fitness. In particular, this idea of cutting deep and cutting once, that was uh, something that Gabe brought up, and my recent experience at Nordstrom's with a gentleman named David and his sales techniques that were just on point. So if you're a gym owner listening, enjoy. If you're an athlete, if you're getting after you in your garage, I hope you enjoy the conversation. If you do, simple ask. Share with a friend, rate it, review it. Check out the other podcasts, The Cop of Kalipas. We're having some guests coming on soon. We're gonna have even more great conversations. Make sure to check out the one previously with Don Fall. I thought that was a great conversation about the future of CrossFit. Keep crushing it, keep getting after it, and let's have a great episode. Dude, I had a, I had a meeting this morning early, went to Phil's, tried a new drink called Cinnamon Toast Crunch. I'm fired up, ready to rock, not having the best hair day, um, but aside from that, we're on the mic. Computer wasn't working. All good. All good. I'm a uh, do the cinnamon toast crunch. Let me just pause for a second here. So, oh Phil's Coffee <laughs> is a local is a local coffee shop, but they've grown a lot. And we've talked about them before. I love Phil's, but they have a ton of different secret menu items. And this one was a hazelnut or something like that, with the with another regular coffee blended together with cinnamon in the filter and cinnamon on top. And then they topped it off by putting a little drizzle of honey. Dude, I got honey and caffeine. I'm ready to fucking run through a wall. Uh, I walk into the gym. It's like DJ was pumping and uh, here we are. So good morning.
1: <laughs> Dude, I'm, I'm worried about how much trouble and audio, some, how much I like computer and audio trouble you run into on a weekly basis here. Dude, so
0: my new thing, okay. So my audio, I think I actually got down. And, but now my new thing is my computer. I'm on like this big um MacBook, like a big, like a big one. And, um, dude, unless I unplug it and plug it back in again, it won't turn on. It won't like just stay on anymore. Um, I'm sure someone listening who's really a lot smarter than me could probably figure out what the problem is. But basically all I do is every time I come to the gym in the morning, it's already turned off. I have to unplug it, let it sit for like 10 seconds, replug it in, and then it works. So
1: Anyways. Oh, boy. All right. Well, aside from the audio issues, cinnamon toast crunch, and your computer issues, where do you want to kick this off? I, I mean, I think I know this comes out a, a week um, later, but so we recorded these on Thursday. They come out on Thursday. And this Thursday, when we're recording, is the first week of the CrossFit Open. Obviously, that means that when this comes out, we'll be a weekend. We'll know what the first workout was. We won't know what the second workout is i think that's a good place to start man you know like we've we've kind of come full circle i know you're doing the open this year we're making it you know a really cool event at nc fit we have friday night lights we have the coaches filming some content every thursday that'll be on social on friday um yeah man just give me your your hot take what do you expect what are you excited for
0: yeah so um definitely before we're done talking uh want to talk about ava's kitchens this weekend also so it's a big weekend um and we've been talking about that a little bit and then um my experience in Nordstrom, I thought was interesting too. So we could talk about that before the, the day's up, but let's talk about the open. Um, you know, it, it's funny, um, NC fit, uh, shout out to NC dot fit on Instagram. If you're not following that, make sure to follow that. Um, they put up, uh, or Liz put up a post from 13.5 and it was like a little, little, little story. And it was a good reminder for me of like some of my open experiences, So I wanted to share, uh, I mean, I could talk you through a bunch of them. So when it, when it comes to open announcements, um, for those of you who are unfamiliar, typically what they did for years now, they've kind of gotten away from it and back on it is they do these announcements and, and traditionally it was Dave Castro and he would go out there and he would tell you the workout and then you'd go perform it right spot on. And those were probably some of the most stressful events I ever participated in. So I've done open announcements, I've done sanctionals, regionals, games. I've competed for Team USA. I've done. I've I've ran the gamut in terms of competitions. I even did. Um, for a while they had these events called. Um, what was it? The CrossFit Tour. I don't know if you remember that one, but the open were the most stressful out of all of them because it was just you and another person. Or one year they had like a champions bracket, which was pretty interesting here in um, the Bay Area. But the one that I started with, and my first ever open announcement, was at the Home Depot Center in 2000, I want to say like 11. It was it was early. And uh, we went in, in the middle of the tennis stadium, and they and Dave made us wait until later on that night to tell us the event. Um, he told us the event. We went and hit it. And uh, from that day on, every year, I did an open announcement for years. The most stressful one was me and Rich Froney. And that's the one that she put up, 13.5 or something like that, where... Every four one. minutes, it started a new like AMRAP or something like that. And, um, you know, if you didn't make the four minute cutoff, you didn't make it to the next one. So, oh man, I'm excited to see what comes out. I'm definitely not approaching it with the same type of like worry or stress that I used to. Um, but it's, it's exciting, man. We're, they're announcing it here in a couple hours and then I'm going to the gym and I think I'm going to do it today. Uh, I think that's the plan.
1: Yeah, man. I mean, so many memories coming back from, you know, the obviously not at the same level as you of like, you know, going to the games or like doing an announcement in front of, in front of a bunch of people, you know, with Rich Roning. But I know that for a lot of people, you know, me included, when I remember the open, it was like, it was such a big deal for us, right? Like it was your chance to like, you know, stack up at your gym or with all your favorite friends or for me, what it was, and this was a huge deal for me back in the day, was like, We, I I was at a gym that was like always on the cusp of making regionals when regionals were a thing, and the open was what was used to see who would go. And I was an athlete that that like was right on the borderline because I was never strong, but I was always like a really good engine. So like I would have a couple workouts that would fall in my wheelhouse, but I would have a couple that like you know like Joe Schmo with a good dad strength in 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 class could probably beat me, and just because I wasn't strong enough. So it was a really fun, but really nerve wracking time for me. And dude, I remember like, I vividly remember like watching the open announcement, like hitting refresh on the page, like literally like palms sweating, like heart beating, like ready to go into the group text and start like strategizing and watching videos. Um, It's funny. It's funny to think back on it. And honestly, it's one of my fondest memories in CrossFit and, you know, back at the gym where I started. But um, yeah, it's also Seems like a very distant memory now, given the fact that up until last night, I I, I almost forgot that it was today. I knew that it was coming yeah. because we're recording some content and we're planning something from the marketing side, but we also have a bunch of other things going on. So literally last night with Ariel, we were like finding something to watch at night um, for, for like an hour before bedtime. And we actually put on the latest CrossFit documentary because we hadn't seen it yet. And it just seemed appropriate because we remembered that today the open starts. Um, great by the way we only got halfway through it but man those documentaries are always so much fun the last one is the next generation i think it's called um the one that documents the 2021 games so i haven't it's always so fun to watch
0: yeah is that so i haven't seen that that's that's i might need to check that out i um yeah you know it's funny I, i i didn't forget that we were having the announcement today because you know it's obviously i'm in the gyms and um but you know we haven't been pushing the open that hard here at the gyms and i think we're gonna have I think we're going to have over a hundred people participate in it. And we haven't even been pushing it really at all. So I'm curious if, if for next year, if we have more time to kind of like get around it and whatnot, um, how many people, I wouldn't be surprised if we get two, 300 people to do it next year from our location right here in the Bay area, just because this year was kind of newer. We didn't want to be over, over the top about it. Um, but it shows that people are interested considering the fact that we're just like, Hey guys, we're doing this thing on Friday. If you want to join, we're not saying, Oh, you should do it. Next year, we could probably get more behind it. But, you know, seeing what the workout is, I think it's going to be pretty accessible from a gym owner perspective. I think three weekends is a great, three weeks is a great idea. And for me, I'm going to find out what the workout is. I'm probably going to do it today. The only reason why I would do it tomorrow, which actually I'm not, because I'm going running with Chris Hinshaw tomorrow. So no, I'm doing it today. I'm going to do the open workout today and I'm going to go post my score up immediately. I'm going to try and be the first person to post my score up.
1: Uh, Dude, that was the other, that was the other thing I remember from back in the day with the open, you know, like trying to like not let people know your score. I remember at our gym, it got to the point where like, you know, people would come in during like off hours, like try and get the workout in. And then like, you know, it was kind of like this weird because, you know, we were all friends and training partners, but there was this like competition Competition. going on within the gym because, you know, stakes were high about, you know, who was going to be on the team. And there was definitely this like. You know, people would wait until the last minute on Monday. Like, are you doing it again? Are you not doing it again? Someone did it again and beat your first score. So now you have to do it again on Monday. Um, it was fun, man. Stressful, but like super fun. Like I'm I'm smiling ear to ear, people that can't see the videos. Um, and if anyone from CrossFit Garden City is listening, you know, I'm sure they have the same fond memories. But man, it was, it was a wild five weekends. There was like Dude. so much going on on the text threads. And like, you know, what did Timmy get? What did Chris get? Man, so much fun.
0: Yeah, for us it was a little bit different like at Norcal for a while it was like we all knew we were going to qualify. Right, right. And for me it was always about I'm going to do the workout, I'm going to do it once, I'm going to update my score immediately. I'm not going to think about it again. That that's that was my take because at the time, you know, I was I was, you know, relatively proficient, um uh, meaning like I didn't have to worry about qualifying for the next round. And so it was really about how quickly can I get this out of the way as a formality so I could get back to my training to help me win the ultimate goal, which is across the CrossFit games. That was always like kind of our overall take, just because we were so, you know, our, our goal was not the open. Our goal was not regionals. Our goal was the games. So sure. every week we would look at it through that lens, right? We would look at it like, because what happened the first year, the open came around is we, we, we allowed it to impact our training too much. So we ended up doing it two or three times because we looked at it as a competition to see how we stacked up against Dan Bailey, who I think at the, that year won the open Instead, as the years went on, I think all the competitors realized tailoring your training towards the open and doing it two or three times wasn't our goal. For some people, it is their goal and they should go out there and do it. But if it's not your goal and your goal is the next level or the next level, all you should do is just get out of the way and move on. So we'll see what happens within our gym. Um, I I don't know. I'm, I'm excited. I I hope it's not too, too heavy. You know, it's funny back when I was like really in shape, I'd want it to be heavier because I'd perform better now my stamina isn't as good at moderate or heavy loads. So I hope it's a little bit lighter. So I could kind of, you know, beat uh beat Zach, who's one of our coaches who's really trying
1: to qualify. So I hope I could beat yeah. him. In every, every single year of the open, I always get one workout, just law of averages that like just falls into my wheelhouse. And if I get something that falls into my wheelhouse, I can put something up that people will be like, what this guy's still pretty fit. So yeah, give me like double unders, muscle ups, toast to bar, and like a moderately light deadlift or like power snatch and you know i'll i'll, I'll give it a good run don't make yeah. me squat or get into a front rack position i won't do it
0: so you know it's interesting i actually texted on this i'm like who is the crossfit villain and you know i don't know if you've seen the recent beef between gordon ryan and nicky rod oh I have, man i have but it's 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 like popcorn good i mean it's it is so good um you know, Gordon Ryan is, is, um, without, a uh, debate, um, the number one grappler in the world right now, Nikki Rod, I think is, is definitely up there along with our friend Mason Fowler and others. And basically like, they just have some shit talking that's going on, which they hadn't talked crap about each other for years. And now they are. And, um, it's all about like steroids and a few other things. But the reason why I bring that up is I think Gordon is bringing a lot of new eyes to the sport of, of jujitsu because of the way he is online. He's very good at trolling and like, he, he skirts this line really well between like people want to, want to watch him fight. Some people want to watch him lose. Other people want to watch him win. And I was texting Savon saying who in CrossFit is that guy right now? And I think that when I look back on the open and regionals and whatever, Dave Casher used to play that role pretty well, especially in the open where he would kind of be the villain a little bit like, what's the workout going to be, whatnot. And I'm wondering who's going to fill that void, if there's going to be that void at all. Cause like, I can't think of an athlete right now who kind of fills that void um, like they have in grappling. So it was just something that was on my mind and Dave used to play that role perfectly, but now it's, you know, he's moved on. So it's all good.
1: Yeah, I think Ricky Gerard had the opportunity to be that, you know, coming back from, uh, you know, two, three year suspension with PDs, um, you know, if he would have really embraced that, the problem though, is that, you know, if he embraced that and then came in and didn't win, cause he fell short both at the games when he came back and at the rogue invitational, then, you know, that's the problem with being the villain. You have to be the villain, but have the chops to, to back it up. That's why, you know, you know um, Gordon Ryan is so, so, so good because he can say whatever the hell he wants until you beat him. Like, what are you going to say? Dude,
0: for sure. For sure, it's it's definitely that situation. So, but uh, you know, I, I, I'm I'm interested to see how the CrossFit game season shakes out, and I'm also interested to see how to take it from you know the X amount of people that are doing it to the next level in terms of people that are aware of CrossFit and and the growth of the sport, the growth of the brand. I think that um, I think that that CrossFit's at an inflection point, and we're gonna see if it's gonna make it. To the next to the next stage, I think it will, um, but it needs to adjust a few things. Um, one of those things is, I think, like you and I talked to Don about, it, is just storytelling and p- getting people engaged on the athletes, so that people want to watch their journey. And um, you know, the more of that, the better. I think. I think Mayhem put out a new video that I think would is is in alignment with that. People can watch it and feel more connected
1: to the team. Yeah, you know, thinking about the open. And I'm trying to like formulate this into a question, but let me just give you my thoughts and then maybe a question will come out of it. Open. You know, I think the the opens an interesting, an interesting time for gym owners specifically, right? Because on the one hand, and we've all experienced this, there's just that magic to getting everyone together, to cheer for people, to kind of go outside your comfort zone and really push like above and beyond and probably do something you didn't think you could do. Like that intangible, like, you know, people leave an open workout and they just they they feel accomplished it's really cool it's cool to see people that you know for whatever reason whether it's their age or the stage of life the li- the li- their life they're not going to accomplish something athletic where they get a bunch of kudos and whatever anymore but they can do that in a crossfit gym and they can do that through the open so on the one side that's super positive on the other side you know i think that if you walk into a gym during a Friday night lights or Friday of the open. And you're someone that, you know, was teetering on this line of this might be for me, this isn't for me. And then you see people like yelling in someone's face and someone's judging you and there's a score and there's a leaderboard. Yeah, it's a lot. I can see a lot of people like 180 and I'm going right back to, you know, whatever that doesn't seem as intimidating. And I know it's only one workout a week for three weeks, but I think that, you know, it's still it still begs the question of, is that what we want to be representative of what we're doing inside the four walls of a CrossFit gym? And is that benefiting getting more people to come in and try what we're doing? Or is it just like a really cool community building moment for the people that are already bought in, but it's excluding making that pie even bigger?
0: Yeah. I mean, I think it's a good question. I, I think ultimately the open is a good thing for CrossFit. I think that it drives more camaraderie and community than it than it detracts personally. And I think that a lot of that is just the messaging of the owner, you know, when someone walks in being able to say like, Hey, what's going on right now is one expression of what we're doing. It's like talking about the CrossFit games, same idea. You know, one thing, if you think about like high rocks or something like that, you know, like, let's just take high rocks as an example. Um, you, you know, one thing to think about for the future of the open is does it turn into like these regional style events that like they drive? So like, again, this is totally first thought that comes to mind. When you think about like an Orange Theory, F45 or, or High Rocks training, a lot of people are using CrossFit different modalities to train for this this particular event. Um, the High Rocks is eight different stations. It's like a, a 1K run plus another thing, 1K run, another thing, et cetera. But when people show up at that thing, they know that it's a competition, which is different from what's happening inside the gym. I think where the open becomes a little unique is that you're having a competition inside of a traditional gym that you would normally go to for class. So maybe what the future holds, and I, I don't know if this is necessarily the best idea, but a idea would be instead of like this idea of regionals or whatnot, I wonder if you could just have like sanctioned CrossFit events throughout the country where people can go and, and compete in like I mean, they already had that, but I wonder if you could do it where it's open to any class. And now when people go there, they're doing the open at like these sanctioned locations versus in their gym. I don't necessarily think that's the best idea. It's just something that's on my mind because how do other people do it, right? They know that they can go into these other camps and work out. And then if they choose to compete in something, they have opportunities at a specific location at a specific time where the open is within their gym. It's kind of more forced upon them. But I think that it also makes it more inclusive and more fun. So I don't know where I'm going with it, but I think as a gym owner, it's all about communication. That's the number one.
1: Yeah, yeah, communication. I think also like being aware that the videos and the pictures that you might capture during those events like serve a specific purpose, but it's not what you should lead with in your you know marketing testimonial content because it does portray a very specific image that's going to be appealing to a very specific person that might be who you want, to come to your gym, but it also might not be, or it might be, it might exclude the people that you need to kind of build the membership base that you need to be successful as a business. So I think just being aware of that is important, being aware of the purpose that these next three weeks serve. um, And the fact that, you know, if you do have someone that's like, hey, I'm interested, would like to try a class, you know, maybe not having them their first class be a Friday might no. be a good idea, right? Like have no. them come in in a different day or get in front of it, right? Like be like, hey, you know, if you do want to come on Friday and check this out, but here's what it is, here's, you know, it's just a one time a year thing. Here's why we do it. Here's why people enjoy it so much if you want to go that route. But I think the, the best option might be to, you know, you might not want that to be the first impression that people get for some no. people. For some people, they they would see that and be like, sign me up. Right. I think that that's the exception, not the, uh, well,
0: and it depends on the demographic you're trying to service. You know, yesterday I was having a conversation with Jim and I think this is relevant. And, um, I looked up his pricing. So he sent me, his intention is to get all of his members to pay the same price for their service. That's his, that's his goal. And he sent me over the communications and sent out and I had some feedback on it that I thought was, you know, particularly interesting. But when I looked at his pricing models, he had so many memberships, Gabe, he must've had He had at least 15 memberships, at least, because he had uh, month-to-month, he had um, 12 times a month, he had eight times a month, he had open gym, he had kids, kids four times a month. Uh, Like There was just a variety of different pricing models. And in particular, we started to talk about open gym. And he sells an open gym membership for a specific amount versus the classes, which is a little bit more. And it started to, I just asked him the question, like when you go out there and you're marketing and you're, you know, trying to, um, you know, grow your business, are you trying to attract people for group classes or trying to attract them for open gym? What is your marketing material aligned with? And it just, it just was an interesting question. I'm curious your take on it too. Is like, I asked him, does it make sense to have an open gym membership and a class membership? And I think there's value in, in having a discount conversation, but like, if you look at like barbell brigade, they do just an open gym membership and that's what they promote. It's like, Hey, come on in. You get the world-class equipment. You get CrossFit style equipment, whatever. Come on in, pay 50 bucks a month. Boom. But his open gym was pretty expensive. It was one eighty, and the regular classes was like two fifteen, it 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 opened my eyes, this idea of like, if you're not going to go out there and promote open gym as like your lead horse, should you even offer it? Because what are you trying to go out there and attract? People want classes or people
1: want open gym, but you can't do both. What do you think about that? Curious. Yeah. I mean, you know, we've learned this the hard way in some respects, but, you know, it's easy to fall into the trap of like, you want to offer more options, right? Like you start by doing one thing and then someone comes along and they're like, man, it would be really beneficial if you offered this. So, in your example, you start offering group class because you know that that's great. People get programming, they get coaching, so on and so forth. But someone comes and they're like, hey, I'd love to join your gym because I love your facility, but I don't really want to take group class. I'd love if you had open gym. So now you make an offering for that person. And right. then someone else comes and they're like, hey, I love what you do here, but I have a teen. I'd love if you offer that. And then you offer something for that person. And or the I next can only come you know, in five times a month. Do you have a membership for that? Right, exactly. And then right. it's it's this slippery slope of like, you know, you always want to close that person. So you, you um, amorphosize your business to become this thing that can service everyone. But then the problem becomes that like, to your point, what are you marketing at that point? Right? Like you can't talk about all those offerings. So it becomes difficult to attract people. And then, you know, you have people that are doing all these different things. I think the better way to look at it is what problem are you trying to solve? What's the best solution for it? And if you believe that the best solution for helping people reach their goals is coming in and having a coach run them through the programming that you know, whatever programming service or in-house that you think is best for your community, then that's what you should focus on. Um, And that doesn't mean that there isn't a place to have like one or two or three options, but you definitely have to catch yourself once you start just adding things for the sake of servicing that other person or those other two people. Because you're going to dilute what it is that you talk about, um, what it is that you market, and what it is that you even want to become better at. Because then, you know, if you have a teens program, a rowing program, an endurance program, and a CrossFit program, you know, what are you constantly trying to become better at? All of them? Because then that gets tough, right?
0: Dude, I think that if I had learned that lesson earlier on, it would have saved our company a lot of time, effort, and money. You know, we offered spin for a while. We offered yoga. We offered I mean, we've offered everything under the sun um you know that a like, years ago um this is going to sound funny years ago we actually used to have like ever like once a month we had um larping at the gym um like is that what it's called where like people like dress up in medieval gear is that what it is dude you i know? have no idea what you're talking about i'm 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 anyways we we used to have like i'm telling you at this one location we had
1: everything under the sun we Wait, time dude, out dude there is an nc pit location where people came in, in medieval costumes? Dude, they came in, <laughs> dude, so, <laughs> so, so, so,
0: this is years ago. Uh, you know, we had a lot of space at our Saratoga Avenue location. We had indoor diving, we had, we had <laughs> judo, we had, you name it, right? And the oddest thing we ever had, I remember showing up on a Saturday morning and these guys had asked me if they could use the space for you might need my my keyboard's not working but i'm 99% sure it's called larping can you just google I'll, it real quick I'll, I'll, make, just make sure it's 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 larping before i butcher the shit out of what i'm about to say right now
1: yes so it <laughs> okay. is larping and it stands for live action role playing oh i didn't know that okay so yes live action role playing is a character driven type of gameplay that is conducted in the physical world
0: Dude, so I show up one morning, and these guys had asked me, "Hey, can we can we come and utilize the space?" And at the time, like I said, we had a lot of space, and it was fitness-ish related. So I'm like, "All right, cool." They ended up doing it. (laughs) (laughs) Fitness-ish related, dude. So I show up there, and I just hear like this, like bang, bang, bang. I'm like, "What the fuck is going on?" So I go to the back of the gym, and these dudes are using real swords real axes real everything i I don't think the blades were super super sharp on them but they were real they weren't fake and they had metal gear on and like that old medieval like um you know like where they would drape themselves like in um metal like that chain chain, chain mail yeah exactly dude and i swear man these guys were nailing each other and um Anyways, I don't know how we're going off on that topic, but the point being is that if you're trying to, you know, go down all these different paths, it just detracts you from your overall vision of offering really great CrossFit classes. So, no more larping. Um, we did
1: that for a little bit and then and then we stopped that. Yeah, man, it's uh, it, it's funny, but it's also, you know, the the realistic side of it is I know there's a lot of gym owners out there that, you know, just trying to bring revenue in. Like you're not in a position to say no necessarily um or that would be the argument right the argument would be hey like someone's offering to pay real money for an open gym class for a three yeah. times a week class you know the larping is like a funny extreme example but it just goes to say that like if you did have you know you bit off more than you could chew you have a huge space and you have these people that want to use that space for something during your off hours i can see the temptation to do it but i think that to your point it's not the soundest way to bring that revenue in because it just detracts from the thing that should be providing the value, which is whatever you choose to focus on.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And and so by the way, for any gym owner, who's looking, the reason why I brought this up is because um, we were discussing, you know, uh, we were originally discussing raising rates to an average price because In particular, one of the gyms I was talking to, you know, they have quite a few members, but their revenue just isn't allowing them to become, you know, at the state they want to get to and they need to raise everybody's rates up, you know, because of, for a variety of reasons. And if you are interested in doing that, you know, just let us know. I think there's some language. We did it a little bit ago. Um, I can't remember if we did a full podcast on it, Gabe. Um, But there was definitely some lessons learned in regards to bringing everybody up to the same price. One of the things I would, I would avoid though, is like in an email format telling members like how much you guys are struggling. I think that it's not there. It's not, they don't, they have no, like if you tell them, Hey, we're doing this because all these things are so tough for on our business. It's like, if I'm a member, I'm like, dude, that's not my responsibility. Like my responsibility is to, I guess, just word it in such a way where it's aspirational. We want to move towards the future and not, Oh, this had to change. This had to change. We had to go pay these people more money. We had to do this. We had to do that. I think it's more about just like, hey, we've made a ton of investments in the location. We want to be here for the next decade plus. We need to do this to remain sustainable. And uh, anyways, there's a lot more to that. If you're interested in talking more about it,
1: just email us at collective at nc.fit. In the one piece of advice that I read recently about just making changes in general, I think this falls in that bucket. And and I really like it is cut once and cut deep. And the the meaning behind that being like, you know, what you don't want to do is like, well, you know, this is the rate that I believe everyone should be on based on like the value that we're providing and then like try and like have steps to get there, right? Like once you identify the things that need to change in your business for it to be successful, and that might be some difficult decisions like raising your rates, eliminating some classes when, you know, people aren't coming in, um, eliminating a program, like if you're listening to this and you're like, man, you know, I offer this endurance class that, you know, is draining responsibilities and I'm just servicing these three people that ask for it. The recommendation, the thinking behind this, which, which I do agree with is cut like once and cut all deep. the changes at once, cut once and cut deep. We're getting rid of the endurance class. The rates are going up to X and we're getting rid of, you know, the, the 6am class that no one comes to like figure out everything that needs to change change it and move on because you have to take that opportunity to say, Hey, you know, I've been doing a lot of thinking, like you said, this business for it to be here for years to come here are the things that need to change. And that might be tough, but you're having everything in one tough conversation. I can, I can see why it's tempting to like, Oh, we're changing a lot. So let me do one thing. But I think that there really is some value to, if you acknowledge that, like, Hey, these five things need to happen for me to turn the business around, like, do them all at once, cut once, cut deep, move on. Don't look back.
0: Yeah. I mean, I think that's a really good, I mean, shit, that's a piece of advice I would tell myself. It's just easier said than done. It's like the whole idea of like uh higher, slow, fire, high fast. It's like, dude, that sounds good on paper, but when you're actually trying to put in a practical application, it's a little bit tougher than it sounds. But I agree with you in general, where I think as a, like, let's just take for example, um, with us, um, I mean, us converting two programs into one, we just cut once and cut deep. We just did it. Um, I think that that took us a long time to get to that decision-making process. We could have done it earlier, right? Or even reaffiliation. There's a bunch of stuff that I think we could have done earlier, but once we do it, I think we just got to rock and roll with it. And I think that, obviously, I still think that's something that we need to work on here at our gyms, but I would agree with you completely that- you know, if you're going to do it, just do it once, rip the bandaid off and make it happen. I think that that's something I've struggled with personally, but um, it's good advice because otherwise it just keeps belaboring the fact. Like if you're like your point, if you want to get rid of, if you know, you have to get rid of three classes a week, but you get rid of one then you get rid of another, then you get rid of another. It just kind of is tougher than just letting it all ride at the same time and letting it go. If you know that's the right decision for your business.
1: Yeah. And then also like it, it, it really allows you to like move forward with a clean clean slate per se of like, you know, the people that are still riding with you are still riding with you, you know? And now you can build knowing that you're on the foundation of the the, the business set up the way it needs to be set up for it to be successful. Like, yeah. are you gonna lose some people? Sure, but like, you need to understand that that's gonna happen regardless. And it's better to know, hey, this is where we're at. Like this core group that is still with us despite all these changes, like wants to be here for the future. And then you can move forward. And that both is on a member side and like a staff side too, right? Like there's some people that might not want to be around if these things change. And while that might be difficult, it'll be okay. And it's better to like figure that out sooner rather than later than have someone dragging their feet and continue to be a part of the business, even though they might disagree with where it's going, causing resentment and a bunch of issues that you could have you know, taken care of if you changed everything at once. And we're just very clear about here's what we're doing. Here's why we're doing it. You're either on board or you're not.
0: Yeah. And like I said, I, I, I easier said than done, but I agree with you. I mean, one thing in particular, like when we raised rates, it was not easy. I mean, dude, I was on text messages and phone calls with members. And I got a lot of that heat because, you know, I was the guy 15 years ago who was telling people their rate was what their rate was. And I had to go ahead and say, look, I didn't know at the time that. You know, paying a hundred bucks a month for 15 years, eventually get us to the point where you're having packed classes and you can't create the profitability. You need to pay our coaches well. And I guess what I'm trying to say though, is that what it did, um, without by design was it did get us a group of people who are really aligned with where we wanted to go. And it didn't just have people in the gym who are just hanging on because they had a cheap membership they were hanging on because they really were about where we wanted to go in the future. And, and that was a byproduct that I wasn't aware of that I think was good for the overall um, culture inside the gym for sure. A- as one example. So if you're thinking about raising your weight rates, that, it, that was one byproduct that I wasn't aware of that I think has been good for our business for sure. Yeah. Hey, I wanted to tell you about, um, you know, what's interesting. So I show up to Norshams. Okay. I got, I got, I got a vent about this and this guy there, he was the best he was the best personal shopper guy I've ever met in my entire life. Dude. His name was David. See, I even remember his name. He was engaging. He was salesy without being salesy. He was, he was, he was selling without being salesy. He, he even gave me a hug, which was really interesting. Um,
1: but that is interesting. Cause you're not a big hugger. N-
0: not really. And it made me feel a little uncomfortable, but like he <laughs> pulled it off. He pulled it off. Like, <laughs> Cause So I walk in there. I'm like, Hey, you know, my wife is hosting a big event, you know, this, uh, in two weeks and she wants me to wear a tux and I don't have a tux. I only have suits. And he goes, okay, let me help you out, blah, blah, blah. And he's like, he could tell I was really apprehensive and I was uncomfortable. Like, dude, I'm just like wearing gym shorts and a shirt I did not want to be there. Um, and so he's like, you know what you need? He's like, you need a hug. And he's like, we're going to make your wife happy. And so he gives me a hug. And so we're talking. So he shows me this um, Hugo Boss, uh, another brand, Armani or something, and then another brand or whatever. And so we're trying on these tuxes and they aren't working. And so we finish trying. I was going
1: to say, there's no way there's tuxes built for your dimensions. No. Like and out so of we, the box.
0: We finish and I was expecting to be like, oh, you know what we could do? We could take this pant and this shirt. We could do this. We could do that. We need to tailor it, blah, blah. He's just like, look, man, I'm going to be honest with you. We don't have anything here that's going to fit your thighs. And he's like, we just don't have anything to accommodate you. And I just was sitting there and I thought to myself, like, I'm in pretty good shape. Like uh, I was a 42 jacket, 34 waist and a 24 inch thigh or something like whatever he quoted me. And I'm just thinking to myself, like, I don't feel like I should be so far outside the norm that no tucks in that whole place even was close to fitting me. It, it was just a good example of how like body types have adjusted. I know that I'm not like the typical, typical body type. I get it far from but, it, but the fact that like a, 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 a physique like mine can't even have anything available yeah. because we've, we've all gone towards another type of physique. It was just, it was just opening. That's all. Um, but the guy was super kind. He, he it was a great experience at North Shore. I'm not hating on North Shore. I thought they did a great job, but the fact that I had to walk in there and leave basically with no option i ended up finding another option at another place which they had to uh fully basically build out this 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 tux but it just it was just it was just like sad that i left there being like damn dude like they don't have anything for a body type like what body type are they tailoring to you know
1: yeah man i mean it's a couple takeaways from that story um one i i wish i could have been a fly on the wall when this hug happened i i would pay really good money to see your face when this guy was like you needed a hug and gave you a hug That that's the first takeaway
0: um <laughs> he second, pulled it off
1: he <laughs> pulled it off i mean i i i get it man like i i have an issue with well pants are also an issue i've had to have every pair of dress pants i've ever gotten tailored but um like shirts like the neck size That I that that I need is like a huge shirt and like I have short arms. So like that never matches up. It's a nightmare. Like buying clothes like that is a pain in the butt. I recently, when we went to that wedding in Miami, the um dress code was black tie. So I was supposed to wear a tux, but I ended up just wearing my suit because I I couldn't like go through the process of like trying to get it. I I knew a tux like was going to be a nightmare. But yeah, to your point, you know, it's it's a shame, but also it makes perfect sense because unfortunately like we are the exception not just even you and me probably a lot of people listening here ladies included like Ariel has a really hard time finding dresses and stuff because you know she's she's got muscles you know which is like god forbid like a woman has some muscle on her things yeah. just aren't meant to fit that in a way that not only fits but you know is is flattering in a specific way so it's a pain in the butt Um, And it is unfortunate that there aren't more options out there, but I get it because there's just like percentage wise, you know, we're not a huge population, unfortunately, even though a lot of the listeners to this podcast are probably like sitting there like, yeah, like I've had the same issue too.
0: Yeah. You know, it's, it's, it sucks. I had a, I had a custom suit built when my, when my sister was married and it was like hundred percent custom from scratch. And I ended up leaving the jacket at a hotel. And I couldn't get it back. So now I have these custom pants that are badass. I even have a vest that's custom with it, but I don't have the jacket. So I had to go out there. I ended up finding, uh, I ended up going to this place and the, the women were super sweet there and they ended up uh, being able to tailor it for me. So hopefully Ashley likes it, her events on Saturday. I just want to make sure I, I, I live up to her expectations. I, if I had it my way, I'd be wearing a, you know jeans and a dress shirt, but I want to make sure I look right for her.
1: Every now and then I really, really enjoy getting like super dressed up like there's something about it that's that's really fun like this wedding in miami it was fun to like put on like a really nice black suit and like you know have cufflinks and stuff um it's just a pain in the butt because nothing ever fits and you have to get stuff that's expensive and and custom made but i enjoy it every now and
0: then dude you and me both so every now and then for me um but yeah other than that i got hinshaw in town him and i had a great conversation yesterday we're gonna be going to the track
1: Before we move on, though, the other thing, before I forget the the takeaway from that, um, because I watched watched the video on this just the other day, and it's so true. So like when you think about sales, you know, sales is so much about trust. This guy was good, by the way. Oh, I I mean, it goes without saying that if you feel you're not being sold to and you're just comfortable, um, you're going to do a lot better. Sales is so much about trust. And the fact that he was able to say, hey, you know. We don't have anything for you here, period. Even though that meant he wasn't making the sale, the honesty that goes behind that, you know, I I don't think just because I know you, you're not going to be like a Nordstrom regular shopper now, but now you might recommend it to other people. Or if you ever have a need that you know Nordstrom has, like you might go back there. And I think that that's really important. You know, it's an important takeaway that gym owners can probably take. And it goes back to the conversation we were having before about, you know, not offering everything under the sun just because, you know, that might get you a person. If someone comes in and they're like, Hey, like this might not be the best example, but I really want to take Zumba. Do you guys offer Zumba? Obviously you're not going to like spin up a Zumba class, but if you tell them, Hey, we don't have anything for you here's and give them a good recommendation. They're more likely to come back to recommend someone to you to, you know, now they have a positive view because you were able to help them, even though, the actual solution to their problem wasn't something that your business offered. And the specific video that I saw was talking about, you know, closing supplement sales as part of like a sales process at a gym. So whether you do this at the gym or not, where you actually sit people down and you're like, you know, selling them on like a fitness program, nutrition program, and trying to upsell them on supplements, there's a good takeaway here. And what the video said was that he started selling significantly more supplements when he always led with, hey, so these three things, like you can probably get cheaper version at Costco. You don't have to get them here. But these two things you should definitely get from us because they're whatever higher quality or whatever. And he got to the point, he learned that by accident because one day he didn't have that one in stock. So he was just saying, you know, you can get it a little bit cheaper by getting it in Costco. And he realized that that got him the trust to where that person Mm -hmm. then purchased everything else that he offered. So moving forward he had three things that he didn't even keep on the shelf. He just had them, but he always said, "Hey, you know, these three things like you can save some money. Don't buy it from us. Buy it from Costco. But these things you definitely want to get." And now, most of the time, they would convert on the other things because you immediately get the uh, trust. You built their trust right there, right, by pointing people in the other direction to save them a couple bucks, or just because you're you're doing the right thing and not selling them on something. Um, so I thought that 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 all the Nordstrom story reminded me of that. And I think, you know, whether you do that type of supplement sales or not, there's just something to be said about always giving people the best solution you can give them, even that if that means them not necessarily buying from you, because the value of the trust you gain from that is immense. And it might not have a return that second, but it will always have a return eventually if you're always kind of, you know, approaching it that way. Dude, that's
0: super interesting. Um, so first off, I think that that supplement thing is a great idea because it does build trust. Um, but let's talk about the Nordstrom real quick. Cause I, I, so this guy, right? He has on his phone a QR code or something like or whatever, right? So I I I took a photo. He goes he goes. Listen, we don't have anything here for you, but I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna talk to some friends and see if I can find you something. So go ahead and use your QR code. Just shoot me a text message. So I, I send him a text message. He texts me back. He goes, he goes, it was so great seeing you at the store. He goes, let me, let me talk to some friends and see if I can find you anything else. So now this guy has my contact information and he makes me feel like he earned my trust by saying, we don't have what you want. He lost out on a sale right then. And now he has his contact information. And then he followed up a couple of days later. He said, Hey, did you end up finding anything? And so now maybe he'll reach out to me a month, two months, three months later. He's like, Hey, just letting you know, we have a whatever going on. And I'm already going to feel like a, a moderate amount of like, I should probably give this guy, you know, I should probably go see him because he really t- tried to care for me. Um. A- anyways, I-, I guess you're just, you're hitting the nail on the head, right? By him, because he earned my trust because he didn't make me feel like he was trying to sell me something because at that very moment where he had an opportunity
1: to, he didn't take it, What's which his name? now I name. care for more. What We need a name. We got to give this guy a name. What's da- his
0: name? His name was David.
1: David from Nordstrom. We need to have David from Nordstrom on the podcast. <laughs> dude. I feel like that would be a fantastic, fantastic segment to just get dude, him in here talking about selling tuxedos at Nordstrom. Dude, you know,
0: <laughs> <laughs> we should get David. We should get David on. No, seriously, because, and by the way, we're going to have a, uh, we're going to have uh, Kelly Stret on and Juliet, uh, Patrick Umel will be coming on. I do. You're going to love talking to him. Um, he's coming on the show. And, uh, we'll have some more, but David from Nordstrom's would be a really interesting person because think about that, man, it's the art of selling, but he's playing the long game, which I think is really, really cool. And now he has my contact information. So we'll see what happens.
1: Oh man. That's fantastic. We need updates on David from Nordstrom, but anyway, I was, I was cutting you off before you were talking about Chris Hinshaw. He's in town.
0: Oh yeah. He's in town. His son got married today. Um, and so on Friday, we're going to go to the track. So going to go, you know, learn from him, be sharing some of that content on social media, if you guys don't see it. Um, and then him and I are talking about, we happen to both be going to Europe at the same time. So we're discussing doing some events in Europe together, like, like these two hour, like kind of masterclass on breathing pacing, um, you know, mindset, fitness i don't know programming we're trying to figure out so it's just something that he was at the gym yesterday and we were talking about it he's like hey you're gonna be in europe i'm gonna be in europe we should maybe do some two-hour classes for people so stay tuned for that if you're in europe and listening to this
1: the euro tour i love it um let me ask you a question when you were training running with with hinshaw and all that content was coming out you and garrett getting getting you know one of the videos that I saw of you actually, like I used to do that workout all the time, the eight, 8 the 10, eight hundreds. Yeah. I remember watching a video of you doing that. And I like next day went to the track and did it. And it was great. Were you able to and, do
0: three minutes on three minutes off? Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. I was
1: like, but I was a runner. You're Jason Kalipa. It's much more impressive you doing it than me doing it. Yeah. It was a
0: one-to-one work to rest ratio. Mm-hmm. And the goal was three minutes on. So a three minute 800, which is, you know, at, at one or two, isn't that bad. But when you start doing, um, I think we did we did ten of them, right? Or eight 10? of them? Ten. When you start getting to round like six, seven, eight, nine, ten, it's it's tough because it just compounds. So the the, the workout would be uh, one to one work to rest ratio, run on track, eight hundred meters. Let's just say it takes you four minutes and you rest four minutes. But our target goal is three minute each round, and I was finishing. Gabe, I'm telling you, man, like I had a watch, and I mean two fifty nine, two fifty eight. 259.33333. You know, I mean, right, right on the nose, uh, as close as I can get to three minutes as I could to try and give myself as much rest as possible.
1: Man, I've done my fair share of track workouts, you know, running cross country in college, triathlons after that, and even just enjoying to continue to do track stuff, even once I got into CrossFit. And I always really enjoyed it. I know some people really like to like go out on runs where the scenery is changing. But for me, maybe it's the fact that I like grew up swimming and in yeah. swimming, you're in a pool going back and forth, um, like endless, endless laps. There was something about the track that I, I really, really enjoyed. Like I enjoyed right. the repetition, the being able to like know your pace every yep. single lap and know where you're going. Um, Know if you have to speed up a little bit or bring it down. Um, There was even something I remember about like, if there was a strong wind, like there was even something psychological about like, you know, Hey, yeah, like get, yeah, get past the headwind and then, ah, like, you know, really take advantage of the tailwind, like get past the headwind, really take advantage of the tailwind. And like just the mind games you can play while like, you know, okay. I have four laps left, three laps left. Um, really, really enjoyed that.
0: Me too. Chris taught me a lot about that on the track. Like you're wearing a watch. And you have specific, you know, cadence, let's just say it's, you know, 30 second, uh, you know, uh, hundred, hundred meters. And you're trying to hit your time domains, right? Cause I would put you at a two minute, uh, 400 and you really start breaking it down and you could then start almost gamifying it to see, can you approach this? I think that was what's, what's fun about the track. Um, you know, one of the big things I'm excited to work with Chris tomorrow is just this idea too. like, one of the first things he taught me is like, when you're in lane one, it's all business. I always love that mindset because basically, you know, you're in lane 10, eight, seven, six, kind of walking, jogging, getting ready for your workout. And then once you hit lane one, it's game on. It was just a good metaphor for kind of like taking your body from like a state of preparedness to, to, to now I'm, I'm executing. And for some people, like with no Olson, it's wearing flip-flops and then switching into shoes when they get into the gym, that mentally tells him. But for me, it was, as soon as I entered lane one, I knew the game was on and it was time to switch my mindset. So that was a big takeaway that he taught me on the track that I, that I didn't necessarily get
1: on the road. It's such an important point, man, like focus during your training, I think is something that people underestimate. And I think that it's one of the cool things about CrossFit because three, two, one go, you know, you can't really grab your phone between sets, like nope. check Slack, check your email, so on and so forth. And it's been tough for me as I've shifted to more like bodybuilding type training, because there is a lot of rest and you're doing a lot of stuff where like, you know, it's super tempting to check your phone, check a Slack, shoot out a message real quick, text message comes in. But the focus I think is equally as important as the effort you're putting into the movements. And that's something that I've really been focusing on lately is when I'm there, when I'm at the gym, like I'm at the gym, right? And even though there's rest periods, I should be thinking about the next set during my rest. And it should actually be resting. And also it's really interesting because there's even like very strong science to back up, like the mind body connection of like, you know, you thinking about and staying engaged, like does help you recruit more muscle fibers and therefore help with hypertrophy and help you get some more reps as opposed to like, you know, you hit your set and then, all right, well, I got 90 seconds, you know, how much scrolling can I get done on Instagram? Um, so it's, that's what I loved about running. And I think it's also a benefit of CrossFit is because there are no distractions when you're on the track, when you're doing laps, like you're thinking about your breathing, your cadence, the pace, what kind of wind, Yeah, that's it. You're there, you're present. There's no, nothing else. Um, And I think that that's cool. And it's really beneficial for a lot of reasons.
0: Yeah. Well, stay tuned on the NC fit channel and my channel for kind of some stuff we're going to be doing with Hinshaw to you know, not even the European things, just some like running, you know, advice and tips and things that he's done with me. I think it's long overdue to get back on the track with him. Um, So I'm excited about that. And then I'll be sharing in the next couple of weeks some of the things that we're doing with um, um, uh, CBP, you know, Customs and Border Protection. I'm working with a couple of guys to create just some cool tests to work with them. Um, One of the ones that came up with was a 300 meter shuttle. And I'm curious what my time is on a 300 meter shuttle, 25 out and back six times, um, I'll share that with you guys on the podcast and see if anybody wants to give it a shot. So some cool stuff happening with CBP, some cool stuff happening in the gym and some cool stuff happening with Chris Henshaw. So make sure you guys stay tuned on our social channels, on our emails. If you're not getting Gabe's weekly EOE email or the bi-weekly gym owner email, you're seriously missing out. If you, if you're not on either of those, make sure you check out the podcast show notes for links on both of those. Cause I think they have a lot of value and, um, I think it could definitely help out appreciate that um cool man hey so takeaways for me the opens here today i'm gonna go have some fun with that uh business side focus cut once cut deep and stay tuned for some hinshaw. and uh hope everybody and, has a great week you know we're gonna be having and david guests and david from Nordstrom. oh david from Nordstroms. In, in all seriousness if we get david from Nordstroms on the podcast i think he would actually be really entertaining so let me let me let me message him um but hope everybody has a good week. We'll be having some guests on the show. I think it's gonna, you know, it's just gonna be really good. And um, yeah, I hope everybody awesome. has a kick-ass week. Let's go. <laughs>